The scripture for this morning is Genesis 18, 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Thank you for teaching us your ways and drawing us closer to you today. Thank you, Kay. Well, welcome, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Anybody else have to let your belt out a notch? Yeah, okay. And uh, did you know that the, today, the first Sunday of Advent, is also the first day of the Christian liturgical year, so Happy New Year. Uh, all of you worshiping here in the house and all of you worshiping online. Uh, and I want to encourage you to make these 28 days uh, of Advent a time of spiritual preparation. And if you don't have a daily devotion that you're using right now, I would suggest that you download the Lectio 365 app. All right? Lectio 365 uh, app. And uh, every day you can listen for about 10 minutes. Trish and I like to listen to the morning one. Uh, some people also like the evening one. But, uh, uh, or you can read it if you don't want to listen. Or you can do both. They, they have about a half a dozen different presenters that uh, usually rotate from week to week, some guest presenters once in a while too. And Sunday's format is a little different than the rest of the weeks. Okay? Trish and I follow it. Uh, we, we find it consistently insightful and inspiring. And I believe it would transform your Advent and Christmas. 
The last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of us have been uh, turning in our giving sign-ups for 2023, and if you would like to do that as well, then this would be a website. If you don't have a card, we can get you a card today too, but you can just do it online, faithwestwood.com slash about hyphen us slash give. Um, I think Rich told me last time we had 126 so, so far turned in, and we would love to have yours, and if we could have it by Wednesday, that would be even better because we've got a, a, an important meeting on Thursday to work on next year and would give us a good thing to work with. Uh, now, today, what I'd like to do is have us join in a prayer, an Advent prayer, which is adapted from today's Lectio 365 app. Okay? So let's pray together. Lord God, in this season of waiting and desiring, we invite Christ to come again into our lives and into our beautiful but broken world. Jesus, we hear your voice from heaven saying, I am making everything new. Make me aware of my fears, weakness, and the brokennesses of my thoughts, words, and actions. Lord, I turn to you once again and listen for your promise. I am making everything new. We think now of the needs of others and pray for refugees displaced and traumatized by war. We pray for everyone who is struggling financially. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace. We listen expectantly to hear your voice from the throne announcing, I am making everything new. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to save us. May the life of Christ be born again in me today. Amen. Well, uh, like a lot of you, I got to spend time with uh, family this week, and I thought about my family. You know, my, my mom's blood is Rh negative. And my dad's blood is Rh positive. That has to do with some little protein on the, on the red blood cell. But, and, and that wasn't a problem for me because I was the firstborn kid. But it was a big problem for the two middle sons. And back then, uh, the doctors did not have the injections that they, they give to moms now to prevent problems if the bloods intermingle, right? Uh, the two middle brothers nearly died following birth and had to have blood transfusions to keep them alive. My mom says that my brother Tim was the first RH ba factor baby in Lincoln to survive. Miracle baby. And this is the first Sunday in Advent, and our series is called Miracle Children of the Bible. And today's message is about Isaac and his incredibly aging parents. And uh, during Advent, you know, what we usually do is we focus on some of the specific prophecies and promises in the Old Testament about the, the coming of the Messiah, but not this year. This year, we're going to be looking at some of the less commonly used scriptures for Advent. Why? Because all the Old Testament points to Jesus. And that's really the theme of our, of our, our Advent series this year, is that all the Old Testament points to Jesus. He's always there between the lines. His, his shadow is cast throughout the pages. 
One person in the Bible, one of them who uh, points to Jesus, is Isaac. So let's open our Bibles now to our passage for today, and we're going to look at a portion of what Kay just read for us in Genesis 18, starting with verse 10. Abraham and Sarah are doing well for their age. Most of their peers, though, have died or they live in a nursing tent. I didn't know if that was going to be funny or not, but anyway. Years earlier, uh, the Lord had spoken to Abraham, promising that his descendants would would become a great nation who would bless all the nations of the earth. And Abraham believed it. He believed what the Lord said to him, but it did not happen quickly or easily. Waiting is the test of faith, right? Waiting is always the test of faith. In today's passage, it has been nearly 25 years since God made that promise to Abraham. Still, he and Sarah do not have a child. What's the the record in our time for women who have naturally conceived and had a baby? Well, about 25 years ago, a 58-year-old woman in Great Britain was feeling sick and was worried that she might have cancer. She went to the doctor and found out she was 16 weeks pregnant. Cancer would have been less of a shock. (laughs) When, When she was 59, her baby was born. Three years ago, it was reported that a woman in China naturally conceived and and gave birth to a baby. This this mother was 67. Wow. She already had had two children before 1977 when China adopted its one-child policy. Now, whether she got in trouble for having a third child, who knows? But Abraham and Sarah have them all beat. Having a child at their age was not far from being a resurrection of the dead. One day, three mysterious travelers show up near their tent, and they don't, they don't get visitors very often, you know, so this is a big deal. And, and in Bible times, you got to show hospitality. If there's a traveler coming through, hospitality was considered imperative. And they, Abraham and Sarah, they live up to that. So they prepare fresh bread and milk curds, and beef. In other words, cheeseburgers, right? <laughs> what says hospitality like a good cheeseburger? And, uh, and then we hear a bold prediction. So please follow along, starting with verse 10. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And you're wondering, who are these people? Can they be trusted? But, but the words were spoken with such certainty and finality as if it were already a settled fact. And this brings up one of the parallels between Isaac and Jesus. Both sets of parents were promised this child, which is rare in the Bible. With Jesus, we know that an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High, Later, an angel appeared to her fiancé, Joseph, in a dream, telling him that the child within Mary was from the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the rest of verse 10 and then into verse 11. Now, Sarah was listening at at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, the person who had spoken. 
Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. 90-year-old women don't have children. Some things just don't happen. So Sarah's reaction in verse 12 is completely understandable. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out, and my Lord, speaking of her husband, my Lord is old. Will I now have this pleasure? And when she, when she uses the word pleasure, it's hard to tell if she's talking about having a child or having sex. <laughs> Either way, she laughed at the absurdity of it all. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Now, look, who asked that question? It says the Lord, all caps. That's a translation of Yahweh. So one of the three strangers is more than an angel. This is a physical representation of God. And when someone witnesses a visible manifestation of God, we call that a theophany. You just went to seminary, right? You learned a seminary word, theophany. Uh, that's your fancy word for the day. Let's say it together. Theophany. God spoke to Moses in the theophany of a burning bush. God spoke to Abraham in the theophany of a human form. And Jesus is the full and final theophany of God. He is the incarnation, God in human flesh. And then in verse 14, the Lord says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you know, I think that points us forward to what the angel said to Mary who asked how she could become pregnant when she's a virgin. The angel told her, no word from the Lord will ever fail. In other words, when God says it, it's not too hard. You and I, we don't get every miracle we ask for. And that's difficult for us to understand. But it's not because God does not care. And it's not because God cannot do it. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And it's important for us to believe that because that is a, a, a foothold in our hope. One, one day when the reign of God is complete and Jesus will make everything new. And he can do it because it's not too hard for him. That's our hope. Genesis 21 tells about the name Abraham and Sarah uh, had for their son. It says, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And uh, the Hebrew name, as Leah said, means laughter or he laughs. And everyone is joyfully laughing because of this surprising, almost absurd thing that God has done, verse 5 says, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. I'm sure Abraham's laughing about that one. Verse 6, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. So Sarah's laughing, all her friends are laughing, not at her, but with her, hopefully. 
It is a time of great joy for everyone. And, and, and what, does the, what do the angels tell the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus? I bring you good news of, that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, whether we are parents or not, we can all rejoice in the birth of this child. May he bring laughter to our hearts. But there's more about this miracle child, Isaac, that points to Jesus. Years later, uh, Genesis 22 gives us one of the most dramatic episodes of the Bible. God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. How could God tell Abraham to do such a thing? Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God said it is detestable for parents to sacrifice their children. But Abraham doesn't know that. He simply obeys. He takes Isaac to Mount Moriah. Now, we don't know how old Isaac was at the time. I'm guessing he's at least in his early teens because Isaac is strong enough to carry all of the wood for the fire to burn the sacrifice. Abraham's probably not strong enough. He carries a lit torch and a knife. They, they, they come to a mountain spot, gather up stones, and put, put together an altar like a fire pit for the Lord. And, and I am not only amazed by Abraham's obedience to God, I'm amazed by Isaac's obedience to his father, lying down on the wood. Let his father tie up his hands and his feet. He must know by now what his father intends to do. What, what must be going through Isaac's mind at a time like this? And then comes the point of final decision. Abraham does what I could not do. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Suddenly an angel of the Lord calls out, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on that boy. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, I not only feel relief that Isaac's not going to die, but I feel relief not know, knowing that God really didn't want Abraham to sacrifice his son. But Abraham was willing to do what did not make sense to him. He only knew that the voice of Yahweh that had been directing him all his life could be trusted. Still, I got to wonder why. Why would, why would God ask him to do this in the first place? And I don't know if I know the, all the reasons, but I think one reason is for us to point us to Jesus God appointed that his only son, Jesus, would be the sacrifice to save the world. Not out of vengeance, 
or cruelty, but out of self-sacrificing love. And just as Isaac carried the wood for the altar, so Jesus carried the wood of his cross. The book of 2 Chronicles in the Bible says that Mount Moriah, where Abraham and Isaac built the altar, is where Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, the place of sacrifices. Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh. In the King James Bible, they transliterate it as Jehovah Jireh. Uh, it means Yahweh will provide. And that day, the Lord provided a ram. It got its horns stuck in the thicket. So Abraham had this ram to lay upon the altar as a sacrifice. Yahweh will provide. And in Jesus, Yahweh did provide. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And today, Jesus calls us to follow him. He says to carry our cross, which means to lay our lives down before him every day. And just as Isaac offered his body as a sacrifice, so Jesus offered his body, his life, as a sacrifice. And Romans 12:1 tells us that this is to become the pattern of our lives. Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is not a dying one, but every day as a living one, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So that's, you know, that is part of why we come here today and every Sunday is to offer ourselves, to surrender ourselves to the Lord. That's a big part of what worship is. But what does that mean? To offer yourself as a, as a living sacrifice. It means that there is no possession you own that you would not give up if God wanted you to do it. It means that there is no activity that you would not stop. You would, not, you would put it away if God wanted you to. It means that there is no position you hold that you would not let go of if God said let it go. So I'm wondering, is there something that God would ask you to give up? Because you surrender yourself to him as a living sacrifice. Does God want you to, to give up something that has taken up too much of your heart? Is there something that God wants you to give up that has taken up too much of your time? Does God want you to, to leave someplace because he needs you somewhere else? Or if you have your eyes on set on going somewhere else, does God want you to stay because he needs you where you are? If you surrender yourself to the Lord, he will let you know. Let's pray. 
And as we pray, I invite you to make this prayer your own. Lord God, I thank you for the scriptures and how the Old Testament points me to Jesus. Lord, I, I want to be like Abraham and Sarah and believe that nothing is too hard for you. I want to experience the, the laughter and joy that is meant for all people at the birth of Jesus. And even now, like Isaac and Jesus, I lay myself before you as a living sacrifice. I'm all yours, Lord. Make all things new in me. And now, let's continue to pray for a, a couple of minutes silently so that we can bring to God whatever is on our hearts. And you might also ask God, Lord, is there something you want me to give up? And then ask him for the courage to do it.